Ladies and gentlemen, hi, this is Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd, host of Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff, broadcasting live each week on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time from Fishbowl Radio Network Studios at Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Tune in to hear how we will be unpacking issues in our society, aligning with the teachings of Christ. So be sure to log on each week on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time to catch Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Follow Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com Jump in. Jump in, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, and welcome to Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. I am your host, Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. This is the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Come on in. Thank you to my listeners on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Thank you from the bottom and top of my heart. And if you are watching me on Facebook Live, thank you so much for watching me on Facebook Live. Got callers already. Um, and if you are catching the replay on YouTube, hello to uh, my viewers on YouTube. And if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, please subscribe on my YouTube channel at Jesus and Justice at Dr. Tiff. Please do that now. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. We have an amazing show today. We have a friend to the show. He's been here before, but he just came back from Washington, D.C., meeting with President Biden and Vice President Harris, along with the family of George Floyd, and that is Arthur Reed, a.k.a. Silky Slim, um, social activist, international uh, social activist. He has a new Netflix documentary out. He just did a, um, uh, a documentary with LeBron James and uh, George Clinton, and we're going to talk about all of that on today. But before we do anything, um, let's start with a word of prayer. If you are on Facebook Live, please like and share. That is a form of ministry. Thank you all for watching me on Facebook Live again. And to my listeners on the Fishbowl Radio Network from around the world, welcome to Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so great and so worthy to be praised. Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being so good and so precious and so kind, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for our sins so that we may have the right to the tree of life. And on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. He said that I come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for this show, Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Thank you so much for entrusting me to be the host of this show. Thank you, God, for everyone that is under the sound of my voice. God, you know what their needs are. Touch them in a mighty way, God. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you bless my listeners, God, whether it's financially, whether it's health-wise, whether it's their family, God, whether someone is in need of a job, whether someone that needs a breakthrough, God, whether it is someone that is praying for a miracle. God, you know what their needs are, God, and there is nothing that is too hard for you. God, I pray for my guest, God, um, Arthur Reed. God, I pray, God, that you continue to use him, God, as your vessel. God, I pray that there is something that is said between me and Mr. Reed, God, that will touch and inspire your people, that will bring someone closer to you. Anoint every word that is said. I decrease so that you can increase. And God, I ask you that you will forgive us for our sins and for our wrongdoings and have mercy on our soul. God, whatever that is in us that should not be taken out, you are the potter and we are the clay. Mold us and shape us and make us to what you want us to be. Have your way right now. Bless my producer Duke right now in the name of Jesus. Enlarge his territory right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And God will be so careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all of the glory. We ask these blessings in your son Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. 
Well, we're going to go straight to it. I'll save my TIFF talk at the end. So if you're just listening, we have um, Arthur Reed, Silky Slim, uh, a social activist. And so please like and share if you are on Facebook. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Silky Slim. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. I have with me, um, he was with us about a few months ago, but uh, he's back by popular demand. We have with me, a.k.a. Silky Slim, Mr. Arthur Reed. How are you, sir? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Thank you again for coming back to Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. Uh, you have a fan base. So many people have asked about you uh, to come back. And so we really appreciate um, you coming back on Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. So we're going to get straight to it. So you have been in the news a lot. I have been seeing since you were last on Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff, I saw you on the news a lot, especially during the George Floyd uh, trial. I saw you on the news a lot. I saw you on CNN. HLN, you were interviewed a lot. Um, so I know you just left Washington, D.C., uh, meeting with President Biden. I saw you with Nancy, uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. So walk us through that. How was that experience? Um, I think more than anything, I enjoyed uh, meeting Nancy Pelosi. Um, I've been um, watching her during the Trump administration and the way that she stands is been um, quite amusing and um, happy to see her uh, take those type of stands, especially under that administration. So I really commend her for the work that she's doing, not just then, but what she's doing now to get the George Floyd Policing Act passed. Um, I think that she's a true fighter for all people. I admire her a lot, so I enjoy meeting her. Um, the rest of it was just regular business um, that's being taken care of to try to get the Policing Act passed. And there's just a lot of pushback from the Republican side of this. So um, we're just fighting to get that act passed right now. Why do you think that there's so much opposition fighting the George Floyd um, Justice and Policing Act? I think that when you look at the current um, politics of it all, that the way that this has been uh, carried out, they don't see anything wrong with it because they put those rules in place that these are the rules that they put in place to abide by. They made it where police just say three words, I was in fear and that they could kill the individual. And this has just been policing in America, but it's been over 56 years and we feel that it's time for a change and change just doesn't come easy. Sometimes change has to be pressured to come. You don't get the diamonds that you wear in your ear without pressure. So, we're creating that pressure for them to make sure that we change so that our kids, grandkids, and other generations won't have to go through what we're going through right now, an influx of killings of unarmed black men, and it's not happening to anybody else. It's that time that we take that stand that it's time for change, and that's what we are with it. Do you think that the opposition is people being more rock-ribbed as their allegiance to their party, i.e. their allegiance to the Republican Party rather than humanity? Because a lot of people really don't know what the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act is. We know people just hear the name George Floyd, but many people, um, we know that there's opposition with police unions. Uh, we know former President Trump was against it. We know that most of the Republican Party um, is against it. But 
can you walk and we know that uh, attorney Crump was here last week and he uh, briefly and he he kind of gave an overview of why we needed to pass it but can you just walk us through a little bit about the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act I know it talks a little bit it talks about the no knock warrants you know what it, it eliminates the no knock warrants it eliminates the chokeholds it eliminates using deadly force without a justified cause it's so broad right now to justify um, cause of murder at the hands of police can take place just for them for their lives. We're trying to eliminate that. Um, there's the major pushback in it because some people feel like that this is the way that policing should be held in America. And that time is up. It's, it's, it's just definitely up. There's no other way to put it is that police reform has to happen and it has to happen now. And one of the things that we have said from day one is that we would love to see this bill authored in the name of George Floyd, but if it's not meaningful, if it's not meaningful, then we don't want his name on it at all. And that's where we are right now. We're trying to make sure that a meaningful bill will pass so that people of color, that's black, brown, and any other color, are equal treatment. Well, that's what we're working on right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Felonis, uh Floyd, George Floyd's brother, he said something to the effect on the news the other day. And, and when you talk about it, he said something, he used the analogy about if there's a federal law or a law about a bird, then clearly there can be a law to, if there was a law to protect birds, then clearly there can be a law uh, to protect people of color. Can you go into that of what he was referring to? When he was about the federal law, um, that's mandated that protects bald eagles. If you can put a law out to protect bald eagles, um, why is it so difficult to put a law out to to protect people of color? Um, if you notice, for the past three months, there have been a rise in um, violence against Asian people, and a law was passed immediately to protect them. We are people in America of color they refuse to pass those type of laws for us. And it is because of what America was built off of, racism and oppression for blacks. And they refuse to try to undo some of the things that their forefathers have put in place. Now, I'm not upset with them um, at all because I understand if you're taught well and you follow the teachings of your father, your mother, or any other individual, then you have to respect those teachings. That means that those teachings have been instilled in them. However, the same teachings have been instilled in me and others to fight against this oppression, to fight against systemic racism, and to make sure that we overthrow that power structure that has had America under its hold for the past 457 years. So we're at a time in history where you will see a shift change because we refuse to um, get off of the mission that we're on right now because we actually feel that our ancestors' energy is working through us to continue the struggle that they went through to try to get to where we are. So many people are just um, comfortable with being able to go into restaurants and hotels and there's no um, division where blacks have their own and whites have theirs, but if we don't get full equality, full justice, and equal on all sides, then we still haven't accomplished what our ancestors set out to do. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and many other great leaders fought for us to have equal justice, and we haven't seen that yet, so we'll continue the struggle of others. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Senator Tom Cotton said that giving Americans money based on their skin color is illegal, racist, and reporters should stop being afraid to say so. What do you say to that, to Senator Cotton, who says giving Americans money based on their skin color is illegal, racist, and reporters should stop being afraid to say so? What do you say to that? I definitely take that argument in front of Congress and ask them why are they paying for the suffering of the Jews and the suffering of Armenian people who went through their um, ordeal in Armenia. So they pay for other people on um, reparations but refuse to get people of colors there. So definitely I could agree with him if it was wholeheartedly all the way across the board. But we pay Israel millions and billions of dollars to um, compensate them, respirate, uh, um compensate them for what they went through and their suffering, but refuse to acknowledge what blacks have gone through and give us reparations for what we went through with ours. So I, I would call him a hypocrite. I would call Cotton a hypocrite because if he understands that America pays for uh, reparation for Jews that went on at the hand of the German Empire, not America, but America pays for it every year and they refuse to give us any type of reparations for the suffering of blacks that was inflicted on us by America. So I tell people all the time when people see us and with the monuments of the Confederacy being taken down, the Confederate flag becoming a, um, a piece of shameful history for America, then um, the American flag itself, for me, myself, I can't speak for others, but for me, I have suffered more under the American flag than the Confederate flag. In fact, it was the Confederate flag that was birthed out of the American flag. So America has to atone for her sins that she has um, inflicted upon blacks and people of color all across America. I mean, they just don't want to accept that. And that's because it's the same type of hatred and racism that's been bred in them that was handed down from generations to generations. However, I, it is my belief that that uh, hatred, racism, and oppression spirit is dying out, and they're not going out without a fight. I respect that, but at the end of the day, we're trying to fight you all the way to your grave because we seek change, and we seek change now. So what do you say to Vice President Harris and Senator Tim uh, Scott, who... Uh, made the statement that America is not a racist country. Do you agree with that notion? Um, there have been other blacks who have said that America um, is not a racist country. Some have played on words and said, hey, America is not a racist country, but we do have um, racism in America. Or America is not a racist country, but it was built on racism. What do you say to that? I think it is foolish to speak that way when America was birthed out of racism. It wasn't. We wouldn't have came here as slaves and we came here as property. And we are the remains of the slave trade. No one can deny that. And we continue to go through the same racist acts that we've seen for the past 457 years right here in 2021. If not, you wouldn't see a white man kneeling on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. And you wouldn't see um, Ron Green being beat at the Baton Rouge State Troopers the way that he was lynched in in 
a society that is supposed to be not racist, that was pure racism. So we see that uh, institutional racism operating inside of our government, and we're trying to overthrow that right now. We're dealing with the strongest movers and leaders that we have ever had uh, because we understand that we're putting our lives on the line as others because we can't take away from the struggle of any of our people. But I think that this is a strong generation that refused to fold and um, death doesn't fear us. We move daily to try to remove those individuals that try to carry on the traditional racism in America. So I, I think it's foolish speak like that. However, some people have been trained to talk like that because of their position. Everybody can't speak what's real, and that's what um, we have to start looking at when we go out to uh, vote. We're quick to tell people to go out to vote, but not tell them how to vote. You know, everybody, especially people of color, have traditionally went out and voted for people just because of their color or as a black person. I don't vote for people that look like me just to vote for people. I vote for people that think like me regardless of their race, color, or where they come from. I vote for people that think like me because it's the mind that's going to change on the condition that we're in. And that's why I commend a lot of people that's fighting for the George Floyd Act. They're not black, not all of them. Um, some of them are, most of them are, but there are some white folks that are definitely trying to push that change across and hold these individuals accountable. So I tell people to vote for people that think like them, that don't, that, you know, don't necessarily have to look like you. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, so Vice President Harris, she is fighting for the George Floyd Act, but she also said that America is not a racist um country. Um, but I do agree with you. I have always said that we should not vote for people just because um, a person has the same skin color as you. And that's not a shade at uh, Vice President Harris or anybody in particular. It's just natural for us to realize that they're going to have some people that look like you that definitely don't think like you. In fact, people that are the same color in the same race as we are that has the mindset of people that will put a rope around your neck. So you have to realize, you have to look for what people are aiming for, what they're thinking about and the change that they seek to desire. And if it matches up with yours, that's your person, regardless to their color. That's the way that I look at it. As mm -hmm. far as the comments that Vice President Harris makes, I don't know. Um, one thing that she did say this week is that she still feels like she's on the campaign trail, that people haven't accepted her for who she is. And I think it's because of some of the statements that she may make that people may not ever accept her for what they believe she should be um, because of the comments that she makes. People right now are looking for individuals that's true to the game, that's loyal to the black movement as far as us making change for the betterment of black people. And I just think that you have to step up to the plate. And if you can't step up to the plate, then, hey, you have to suffer the consequences as well. Right. Now, in addition to Attorney Crump, we had retired U.S. Marshal Whitehorn. And I mean, you know U.S. Marshal Whitehorn. We're both from Louisiana. And um, I think at the time, you and I both were living in Baton Rouge. He was our um, superintendent of state troopers. And he made a comment um, he said that um, it makes him angry that police officers uh, are oftentimes shedded in a negative light, that the media doesn't always um, 
put police officers in a positive light. They always pretty much want to talk about the negative, but they don't always want to talk about the positive. And, um, you know, and a lot of times it is exaggeration. And so I, it, in so many words, you know, he was saying that it, it wasn't so many words. These were his words that the bad cops is just a few of them. That the, the Derek Chauvin's of the entire police force is just a few of them. Those people that did that to the Ronald Greens of the world, that's just a few of them. The ones that did that to the Alton Sterlings, to the Philando Castillos, to the Eric Gardners, those are just a few of the bad apples. Uh, what do you say to that? Do you agree with that? That, you know, we know that it goes without saying that every single cop is not a bad cop. We know that. But what do you say to uh, people in the in, in like your retired U.S. Marshal Whitehorns who feel that uh, they're frustrated that cops get a bad name? That it's not all cops. That it's not in his in his opinion. Um, it's not even the majority. That it's, it's it's a minority that are doing these bad acts. It's, 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 I, I was smiling when you said that because something jumped in my head about it's from a comedian thank you, Chris Rock and Chris Rock said that a lot of people say I've never been to jail I graduated from school he said what are you on a cookie you're supposed to do that so we don't always have to um, highlight the police doing right because the police Supposed to do right. They're sworn in to do right. We expect them to do right. So it's when they do wrong that we have to focus on the wrong that they're doing. Police are to be held to a high accountability than any other citizen in the United States of America. So when you see those bad ones, just the few that he saved, we have to point out those few. So he shouldn't get angry at that. In fact, it should be embraced. Man, I'm glad that they're printing out these bad apples so that we could get them out of the barrel before they spoil the whole barrel. There's an old saying, one bad apple ruins the whole bunch. So they should be happy that we're focusing on the bad apples that's in the bunch. But instead of that, they take it offensive. or They don't never talk about the good that we do. Yeah, we're happy when you do good. When you do the right thing and when you protect and patrol and do the things that you are sworn in to do, we are happy about that. But we don't always have to pat you on the back for that. You get paid for that. So don't look for accolades for a job that you get paid for. It's when you do wrong that we try to hold you accountable. So many people don't want to be held accountable. That's the bottom line. But you have to be held accountable, especially when you're in a position where you have the right to take a life. And when you see these murders, and when you see somebody kneeling on the neck, then you should say, damn it, a few is too many. So get rid of those few, and maybe we can have a force of individuals that we can all believe in. And maybe then you'll see the accolades coming that you seek to see. But as long as we see those bad apples, then we continue to point those bad apples out. Not taking away from the right that you do. We commend you for that as well, but don't look for that. So many people look for the accolades. But if you see problems in anything, try to get the problems out. That's just the bottom line with that. So... He talked about ministry that uh, that you know police forces ministry and 
you know, he, he, he sort of looks at everything as ministry. And I do agree with that, that everything that we do um, is, is a, it's like a form of ministry. Even your activism is a form of ministry. But I, but speaking of ministry, uh, even the last time you were here, you talked about pastors and me even hearing you speak because the very first time you and I met, what was that, 15 years ago, you and I met at a church, we were speaking <laughs> at a church together. And um, I know that you have been critical of um, our friends in, in the ministry. Um, and you have even uh, called out and said, have even gone as far as saying that pastors, preachers, um, in, in some regard, they're part of the problem. Do you still stand by that stance that you think that pastors, in some regards, are part of the problem? Ten toes down. I stand on that ten, ten toes to down. Ten toes down. That's all the way to the ground. Ten toes down. Yes, pastors, um, some, not all. And, and the thing about it is that if you hear the truth and you recognize the truth, then there should be no squabble over that. I was at a funeral, and I was speaking how pastors um, are in the pulpit pimping the congregation. And the pastor that spoke behind me said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry about... Um, what nobody said about the pastors because um, they need to be worried about what they're going to do when they don't have somewhere to speak at. I'm never worried about having somewhere to speak. In, in fact, I think that God has given me a platform to hold these individuals accountable for the lack of their work. What we see today is that if you look at it, and me and you had a, a brief conversation about this, but I want to bring that to the forefront. I don't care what you call God. If you call God Allah, fine. If you call him Jesus, fine. If you call him Yahweh, fine. If you call him Jehovah, fine. The problem with that is Allah, Jesus, Yahweh, Jehovah, whoever you call him, have too many damn worshipers and not enough worshipers. Everybody's worshiping. We're worshiping, praising all day long, but we're not working with the individual that we say we're serving. So when you see individuals, that say, I can do all things to Christ Jesus who strengthened me. The biggest question that they should look in the mirror and they should get close to the mirror and ask themselves, why am I not doing anything with Jesus but calling on him? Why am I not out trying to change the community where Jesus was in the streets? Why do I only praise Jesus on Sunday mornings? Most of us, and when we check ourselves inside, we're mere six-day sinners, Sunday morning Holy Ghosts. We do what we want for six days, and then on one day, we want to go and act holier than thou when there's so much work out there to be done. Everybody wants the crown, but we flee the cross. That's what I'm carrying. I'm carrying the same cross that Jesus did. Listen at Jesus' words, and listen at his words closely. He said, pick up your cross and what? Follow me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where we gone? We got some work to do. We got to change the world. So when you see them, see a world as wicked as it is today, and they're inside of the church, they should be outside of the church. But outside of the church, you have murder, mayhem, drug selling, and the pastors are doing nothing about that to change the communities. When I was in the streets, I lived right a few doors down from a real prominent pastor. And that pastor and me would talk, and he would always try to instill faith in me. He would try to talk God to me. But I was in the streets. I really didn't care about what he was saying. And 
one day he came into the projects where I was selling drugs and where a lot of stuff was going on, where my gang was operating at, and someone pointed me out to him. That pastor, he didn't come and confront me by himself. He knew he couldn't win. But that next Saturday morning, I heard noises outside of my house. I grabbed my gun and looked out the window. And you know what I seen? About 150 church members, all with white candles in their hand, and they were singing a song. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. You've been building your kingdom all over this land. I'll never forget that song. And you know what that did? It put me on notice. They don't want me here. And I packed up. The house went up for sale. I moved out of the neighborhood. That's the power of the body of Christ. When you form the body of Christ, you can get rid of the crack house instead of getting up in the pulpit. All oh, these crack houses is taking over America. Get out with your congregation and you can remove that right out of the neighborhood with the body of Christ. Don't step out on your own. Form the full body of Christ and make that change. I just think that the church doesn't realize how much power that it really has. And while we're on that subject, when I talk about the hireling, it's in the scripture. The book says that the hireling will run off and save his own life and leave the flock. The good shepherd will sacrifice his life so that the flock can live. So when you see so many of God's sheep, which are people, dying in the street, and you see the so-called good shepherd on post, and he's not sacrificing his life, or he's not putting his life on the line, he becomes a hireling in my book. And the scripture says that, and, you know, a lot of people will call me on uh, Tiffany. Some, they hear me on your show or on other shows because we all want to be scripturally correct when it benefits us. It was Silky Slim. The Bible says, my anointed ones and my prophets no harm. I said, yeah, no, that's page 69. I read that. But if you go over to page 70, Jesus says, some shall come in my name proclaiming me and not be of me. Woe to the shepherd that feeds himself and not the flock. So there's a lot of fat shepherds out there and the flock is dying and malnutrition. So some of us are not as we say we are. Some of us are imposters and we have to call out those imposters. I tell people all the time, to the real preachers, to the real men of God, the men that's bringing the real word of God, I'm not at war with you. I'm at war with Satan. And my Bible says that Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. So some of us are in this for money and not for the word of God. And you have to call those individuals out. So some of those people that be crying and hollering, they always say, a hit dog will holler. So I throw a lot of bricks to make sure that I can see where those dogs are hiding at. Mm -hmm. But would one, do you think that those people feel that you're being judgmental? Um, it's not about being judgmental. It's about being real. It's about calling it how you see it. I mean, when you look at some of the things that have taken place in the church, um, you have these priests that fondle and molest little boys, and nobody wants to speak on that. We have to speak on that. You got Baptist preachers that are doing the exact same thing, taking advantage of little girls. You have to speak on that. If you don't speak on it, you know, a lot of people, they say, well, um, they only human. Yes, they only human, but you have to hold them accountable for their mistakes. And until we start holding them accountable, we're going to continue to live in a world where Satan has transformed himself into an angel of light. There are so many pastors that are doing well. I'm, I've seen a real prominent pastor from Louisiana, and I won't call his name, but i seen him in Dillard's. And I looked at him real crazy. 
And he called me over. Hey, young man, come here. Come here. Come here. I said, yes, what's up? He said, man, why, why, why are you looking at me like that? I said, I'm not looking at you. Yes, you are, man. Please, please, please tell me why you're looking at me like that. I said, well, since you asked, I'm looking at you like that because you told me money was coming and mine ain't came yet. He said, boy, your money holding on. Your money coming. You hold on, boy. So I, where's your faith is what I asked. I face individuals of real circumstance every day that's dangerous, and I have no fear. My church says it all. Let your fear be, let your faith be bigger than your fear. And that's how I walk. I walk with the faith that I'm going to make it out of any situation that I walk into because I know God has called me to do exactly what I'm doing. And I don't think that would allow you to be judgmental in a time like this because I'm a man and I commit sin as well. But the thing is, I'm not leading God's sheep astray. I will stand up in front of a church and admit my faults at any given day. So many of us don't want to do that. But when you see a wicked time like this and you see individuals folding to the wickedness, it's because they don't think God has their back the way that they say. I was talking to a pastor just the other day and um, he was saying, you know, he said, man, I can't do all that lifting, Slim. You know, I got I to gotta stand in my heart. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Then I asked him something. I said, well, you know, I, I came to your church a couple of times. I heard you say something in the pulpit. It got me confused. He said, what is that, son? I said, I heard you say that you can't wait to go see your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, well, I can't. I want to be with Jesus bad. I can't wait to go see him. I said, so how come when they told you they had to put that stint in your heart, you came back and asked for prayer, you didn't say this was your ticket up out of here. See, we talk a good game, but we're not into the game that we talk. Because if you can't, and they tell you, look, if you don't get this surgery tomorrow, you're going to die. You would say, well, I'm going to go be with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You wouldn't come back and say, pray for me. I got to go have heart surgery. So we got to stop talking that strong game and not have it on the field. We got to have that same game, that same energy all the way around the board in order for us to get through what we're going through right now. Wow. Very powerful. Um, I, I agree. I think that we have to call right, right, and wrong, wrong. I always say I don't think it's judgmental when you're telling um, the truth. Um, you know, but... Now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> when they say, no, seriously, when they say he's being judgmental, answer me this. How many of them have told you that dude ain't doing nothing but lying? I've never heard anyone say that you were lying. Thank you. They can't call me a liar because I'm standing on truth. And I have to stand on truth because other than that, they can condemn me. So for them to say that I'm judgmental, that's an opinion. But I'm standing on truth because the circumstances prove that what I'm saying is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you think that it, it, it maybe it is, maybe think of it like this, uh, Maybe extending grace because, you know, maybe one may say, hey, look at how God extended grace to you, Arthur, right? Look at your story. You were in a car wreck. Everyone, and for those of you who didn't uh, tune in the last time, he gave his testimony. Everyone in the car wreck died except for him. And that was that aha moment that Arthur turned his life around. And that's when you decided to leave all of that alone. Do you think that that very well could be? Maybe people are saying, 
not so much of judgmental, but maybe extending grace. I don't think so, because the way that I see it, when I look at the drug dealer, the murderer, the prostitute, people that are walking in a sinful lifestyle, I look at them and I envy them. I say, wow, here it is. I know that God has called me and given me a mission, and I still find myself falling to the weakness of flesh. I'm in a worse condition than they are because I say I believe. And once you say you believe, then you have to work on and cultivate what you believe. And once you say you believe and that you found your Lord and Savior, then you should definitely stay on that course and cultivate that course to become better every day than you were yesterday. The thing is, is that some of these individuals have been in these positions for 10 and 20 years. I don't think it takes that long. And if it was so, that it would be a long, drawn-out process, it would make the Bible um, untrue. But I don't so think we can say that because if I get a cut and you get a cut, it may take me a little longer to heal than you, but we still may be healed. So what may take me longer, uh, uh, let's just say we're in a relationship and you may break my heart. It may take me a little long to get over that heartbreak. Eventually, I may heal from the heartbreak. So we, I don't think that it's a fair notion to say a timeline of when a person should or shouldn't. We may say, you know, hey, you know, you should be over that by now. That I, I can understand you saying that. But I, I, I think that until we're in that position, I don't know if it's fair for us to say it. I, I've known people that have been through heartbreak that it, it's taken them years to get over certain things. You know, certain habits, they, they, it's, it's still a daily struggle for them. I don't know. I, I, think, I think that Satan's world has become so fast-seeming to us to we're actually walking outside of the book. I look at Genesis. All right, that was Arthur Reed, Silky Slim. What a powerful interview. If you want to catch the full interview, you will have to wait until after the show and you can catch the full interview on my Facebook uh, on my Facebook page at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd or you can catch it on the Fishbowl Radio Network um, and click on Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff or you can click on my YouTube channel at Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. What a powerful interview and let, I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Let me say hello to my Facebook um, live listeners to Dr. Jesse B. Bilberry to the Honorable Johnny G. Anderson LeVon Snyder, Jonathan Bowler Ronnie Fletcher, Glenda Ellis Taylor Chris Chapman, Deaconess Sandra LaFleur, Deacon LaFleur, Hope Die, Jeffrey Hullum, Alma Townsend, hello to you, Brittany Parker Bishop, Justin Connor, Goldfish Bradford, um Dr. Frederick Douglas Haynes, Reverend Raymond Wiley, Reverend Danny Lewis, uh, James Harris, Septopia Black. Hello to you, Robert Skipper. What do you all think about um, Arthur Reed's comments? Um, please, if you're on Facebook Live, please type them in the comments uh, section. Um, and I'm curious to know your thoughts about it. Um, what a powerful interview. Um, this goes to show what God can do. Um, and, and, and I want you all to look at the full interview um, because later on in the interview, you will see 
that um, Silky Slim earned a honorary doctorate degree from Temple University. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he earned an honorary doctorate degree from the Temple University. And it goes to show that God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God can use anyone. And he goes all around the world to share his testimony. And um, although it is an unorthodox way of how he relays his message, it is powerful and it is effective. And the reality is, is that he's able to reach people that some people cannot reach. And he has an effective message of how he reaches people. It may not be a way that may be uh, ordinary to some people, but he has his own style and it is working for him. And I commend the brother. What a powerful, special, um, wonderful man that he is. Um, and, and I am just so proud of him. A person who was in and out of prison, a person that lived that life. He talks about how he was a pimp. He talks about how he was in and out of prison. He talks about how he lived that life and how God touched him and how he gave his life over to God and now he is on a mission to save his brothers and sisters and he, using his using this platform now to save as many people as he's as he can and I think that he deserves a hand clap for that so I salute um, Arthur Reed Silky Slam thank you from the bottom and top of my heart um, you have definitely made a believer out of me and so I salute you thank you all thank you so much from the bottom and top of my heart um, I I didn't have my tip talk for today and I want to just tell someone out there um, the road to peace many people as you know I've been on this weight loss journey and as I've been on this weight loss journey it's not just about shedding pounds but it's about shedding dead weight off of your life as well and I don't know who this message is for but the Lord told me to tell someone that the road to peace is choosing people that choose you I don't know who this message is for, but you need to stop choosing people who keep showing you that they are not choosing you. Something is wrong when you're always the one that's calling and checking on people, but they ain't never calling and checking on you. Something is wrong when you are always choosing people, but they're always showing you that they are not thinking about you. Something is wrong when you are always supporting people and their dreams and whatever they have going on, but they are not reciprocating that. And the thing about it is, is that you keep hurting yourself when you keep choosing people who are not choosing you, who are showing you that they're not thinking about you. The thing about it is the biggest thing that you can do is love yourself. And when the when people choose to walk out of your life, the biggest disservice that you can do to yourself is when you chase someone and run behind someone. You don't know what God is protecting you from. If a person wants to walk out of your life, let them walk. You need to have a funeral and say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That person is no longer with us. And most importantly, you need to choose yourself. You cannot expect someone to love you if you don't love yourself. I don't know who this word is for, but the Lord has been dealing with me all week to tell somebody you are so desperate for love. You are so lonely and so depressed and have such low self-esteem that you just take 
anything. The devil is a liar right now in the name of Jesus. Stop begging people for friendship. Stop begging someone to stay in a relationship with you just so you can say that you are with someone. You are not desperate. When God made you, he made a great work. God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the lender and never the borrower in Jesus name. Look at what God did for Silky Slim. A person that was a, a crip. A person that was in and out of prison for over 30 something years. And look at what God has done for him. And if God did that for him, imagine what God can do for you in your life. Choose people who choose you, but most importantly, choose yourself. Now, if this if this broadcast has been a blessing to you, I want you to give to Cash App. Now, let me just say, there are scammers out there and someone hacked into uh, the Jesus and Justice, my Cash App. And so let me say, if you have received um, anything from me um, over the past week about saying that I'm requesting cash, that was not me. So whoever it was, that must that, that lets me know that I must be doing something right because the enemy has been trying to attack. So I had to change my Cash App. So if you would like to give, it is now dollar sign Jesus and Justice. So the other Cash App is now Null and Void. So if you would like to give to this ministry, Jesus and Justice, guess what? God is so good. Please donate now to dollar sign Jesus and Justice. Or you can go to the Fishbowl Radio Network, click on Jesus and Justice and donate via PayPal. Please, again, please follow me um, on Facebook at Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. Follow me on Instagram at Tiffany.M.Lloyd. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel at Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff. We have an amazing show again on next week. Again, thank you again to Arthur Reed. Silky Slim, I am so proud of you. And I cannot wait to see all of the doors that God is opening in your life. And I cannot wait to see you right at the top, my friend. Again, until next time, I will see you right here again at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for another great edition of Jesus and Justice with Dr. Tiff signing out. I am Dr. Tiffany M. Lloyd. May God bless you is my prayer.